Hi everyone, this is Steve Hargadon and welcome to the Future of Education. Tonight is March 11th, Thursday, 2010, at least it is in the United States. If it's a different time or a different day, please feel free to put it out in the, shout it out in the chat. Our guests tonight are Sharon Peters and Noble Kelly from Education Beyond Borders. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for having us here. I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely, yeah. So greetings from Canada. I'm from Montreal and Nobles in Vancouver. And uh, I think we have a few other Canadians with us tonight in the chat room. And I think we have some other international visitors too. Well, we'll, we'll put up a map and let you show where you're listening from. So uh, futureofeducation.com interview series is sponsored by Illuminate, my employer, uh, where I run the Learn Central social network for educators. It is free. It does have Illuminate baked in, and we encourage you to come in and make connections with each other. Coming up on Future of Education and Conversations.net, my two interview series, uh, next week we start an open source series. Uh, for the National School Board Association on the 16th, Open Source, a Guide for School Technology Leadership. On the 16th, also, another PBS show, Women of Science. On the 17th, we start an Education for Digital World 2.0, kind of in the trenches series with educators using Web 2.0. Also on the 17th in the evening, uh, talk with the authors of 21st Century Skills. You can look down the list, lots more fun stuff coming up. I hope that you'll join us for, for one or some of those. If you've missed the show, uh, they're all recorded. And here's a short list of some of the shows that are available. Uh, again, futureofeducation.com is the best place to go to find those recordings. And hopefully, you'll find something worth listening to. If this is your first time in Illuminate, we want you to know this is a participative environment. So we hope that you will participate. Uh, look at the bottom of the participant window, and you'll see some emoticons. There's a smiley face a clapping hand, a confused look, or a thumb down, thumbs down. Those are ways of uh, expressing yourself. You can also click on that hand with the green up arrow if you'd like to take the microphone. And I'm sure that uh, Sharon and Noble will at moments ask you if you'd like to, and you're welcome to do that. If you think you'd like to take the mic later in the show, it's good to go up to Tools Audio and run the Audio Setup Wizard to make sure your microphone is working. You can leave messages in the chat. There's a drop-down box. You can actually send private messages to other people in the chat, but do know that those of us who are moderators end up seeing those private chats. Um, and now I'm going to give you a chance to actually participate by indicating on the whiteboard where you're listening from. And if you click on the, to the left of the map, look for a wand with a red star at the end. And you click on that, and you click on your map, you can tell us where you are. And feel free to shout it out in the chat as well. Of course, the US and Canada. We're looking for India. OK, well, it looks like a North American-centric crowd. Although, there we go. We did have, um, we did have a fellow from India earlier told us who was in Maybe he had to leave. Anyway, wherever you're listening from, we're sure glad to have you here. Okay, so Sharon, I've looked forward to this uh, interview for a long time, and I'm sure glad that Noble is on as well. Why don't we start by having uh, the two of you each introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about uh, what you're doing. And then we do have your slide deck in here, so to the, to the degree that you want to, feel free to go through that. Um, and then I'll ask some questions, and we'll let our audience ask you some questions too. Sounds good. Um, Sharon, do you want to go first? 
Sure. Okay, I'll go first and, and give you a great intro here. Uh, my name is Sharon Peters. I, I'm a teacher here in Montreal, Canada. Um, and a few years ago, I think like many of us who are in education, I wondered to myself uh, how I could share my, my great educational background and with someone maybe from less uh, you know, fortunate circumstances in the world. So I looked around and I, I found things like volunteer vacations and uh, I thought to myself, gee, there are doctors without borders and engineers without borders and I understand there's even lawyers without borders now. I wonder if there's such a thing as teachers without borders. So I um, so Googled that name and sure enough um, discovered that there was such an organization and um, uh, joined it and it was uh, in Canada in its infants stage and, and it was Noble who uh, founded that organization and went through and made it a charitable nonprofit um, organization here in Canada and we, we recently changed our name to Education Beyond Borders to distinguish some other work that's going on elsewhere using that other name. And, um, and so uh, some time passed, uh, Noble and I got a chance to meet when he visited Montreal and a little bit more time passed and then about two years ago, Noble asked me, you know, I'm ready to start taking teams over with me. Would you be interested in, in going to South Africa for and work with a team um, and provide professional development opportunities for teachers down in the townships in South Africa? And I said, oh, I'll count me in. This is wonderful. I'm on board. And so this will be my third summer going back to South Africa. Uh, along the way, we also visited Kenya. and. Um, uh, I just consider myself immensely um, grateful and uh, privileged to have participated um, with great educators on my teams and then fantastic educators on the ground in those developing nations. And I'm, I just really consider myself sort of an ordinary teacher who's had these really great opportunities and um, I think Noble can probably tell us his story of how he came to, uh, to found such an organization. So Noble, I'll pass it to you. Thanks, Sharon. Yeah, um, for me, uh, I've been teaching 17 years and ICTs in, in the classroom and uh, done my post-baccalaureate with educational technology and, and has, has been a, a facilitator and trainer for teachers on how to use and integrate technologies. And for me, I never saw teaching as work. It was always something that, you know, was fun, interactive, it was inspiring. However, you know, I always made a concerted effort. If it ever became work, then it was time for a change. And well, that came <laughs> about three years ago. And um, what kind of spurred it on, I, I, you know, I, I love traveling. I travel many places around the world. And South Africa was on that list of places to go in 2005. And uh, through friends of ours, we met with a lady who's, who had an orphanage. And I got involved with those kids in that orphanage. And I went back and visited them and helped them to study and then got involved with their teachers. And through that experience, it, it was life-changing. Uh, no other way to put that. And uh, I realized how much teachers need help from other teachers. The teachers there, um, through no fault of their own, it's just the, the lack of, of access to information and resources. And a lot of times they were getting computers donated, but that was it. They got uh, equipment that was collecting dust because there was no programs or implementation plans, support or training um, provided. And you know, I saw that as a wasted resource for, for these teachers where resources, you know, 
are so restrictive and, and lacking. And so I, I, you know, I went back feeling that I needed to, to do something different. And uh, so going back, I just noticed how much we did take our education system for, for granted here in, in North America. And so it was evident to me that a lot of the stuff I was doing, the ministrivia um, and, and committees and so on, I was losing the sight why I became a teacher, the, the fact that I wanted to make a difference. And so I said, you know what, similar to what, how Sharon found our organization, I did as well, and I found that there was a Teachers Without Borders that had started out of the U.S. And, you know, they've, they've been incorporated since 2000, and they've done things here and there. But what I was really interested in was doing taking teams and uh, of teachers to, to work in collaboration with our colleagues in support with the, you know, the resources and professional development we get uh, so, so accessible to us. And so I decided to, to join the, in parallel with the Teachers Without Borders US and, uh, and say, well, let's bring what Canada has to offer and enhance and expand the work you are doing by taking some, some teacher teams to work with our colleagues. And uh, it was only recently, and the reason we changed our name, that um, their direction has moved to more of a, of a top-down um, online um, support of teachers. And I, I, our organization, I think we prefer still stick, sticking true to the philosophy of being grassroots, the face-to-face -face connection, as well as the online connection, because it's through building relationships with our peers that we can actually affect change and support. You know, it's a two-way street when it comes to collaboration. And, uh, you know, we may go naively going to think that we, are, we will make a difference and we will support, and that is true enough, but the greatest difference made is when we, we return and empower and enhance our own education system through the experiences we share. So that's basically the, <laughs> the, the behind the scenes why uh, those kind of, why uh, the organization was founded. Um, uh, let go, and you know the idea is that there are so many teachers. You know this world, we've got uh, it's the largest professional group, 59 million and counting. Yet you know to to satisfy all those that are out of, out of school, there's still millions of teachers still needing in this world to support the the students that are not the, the kid, children that are not in school. Um, at any time that you feel you have a question, I'm it's. You know, I may not read as fast as everyone else on the chat there, but uh, you can, you know, put up your hand and, and go on, and we'll just move ahead here. So why, why is there a need for, why is this educational divide? Why are we doing what we're doing? And um, I kind of hit on this a little bit. It's uh, the, the teachers, other than their initial training, um, to become teachers in many isolated regions, and those are the areas we work in, in many um, of the isolated regions. In South Africa, it's in the townships, um, and that, those pro programs are more focused on ICT use and integration to support uh, teaching and learning. And in Kenya, we have three projects run currently running, and those look at the methodology support for teachers. And oftentimes, you know, they 
they get no professional development whatsoever. They don't even get an opportunity to meet with their colleagues. And that's one of the main things we try and provide by having these weeks of, of uh, teacher workshops so teachers can get together with their, their peers and uh, both locally and internationally to collaborate and work and find a, work on solutions that will uh, help turn their classrooms from teacher-centered into more learner-centered. Um, I'll let Sharon check in here a little bit um, and uh, tell a little bit about the, the, the different programs that she's involved with, especially in South Africa and Kenya. Okay, um, and I want to give a, a shout out. Uh, we have a few former team members and uh, returning team members and new team members in our chat room tonight, as well as uh, Glam Deschance, who is the president of EBB, the McGill campus group that is just newly formed and starting. And we do have several uh, university campuses across Canada that have started the groups to support our work. So I, I want to say a big thank you to him because he really undertook a, a huge initiative in getting that campus group off the ground this past year. And he's a um, senior, um, I guess you could call it senior level university students graduating in education. And it's, it's so great to have uh, the university students on board with us as well to, to do, uh, promote as they, as they launch into their careers. Um, uh, we, my focus with EDB has mostly been with ICT and education and that stands for Information Communication Technologies. And uh, we have focused on uh, South Africa Cape Town townships. Uh, this year we will also be returning, uh, well, actually not returning, but we'll be going to Eastern Cape as well, a new venue for us. So we'll have two locations in South Africa this year. Last year our ICT team also went from Cape Town to Kenya on the remote shores of Lake Victoria in a, a small town called Mbita. And uh, that was such an exciting visit, uh, 12 days uh, working with the, the Kenyan teachers there and going out to visit the islands in, in Lake Victoria and the stories we can share about those remote locations and the stories that we can share also about the technologies that they're using. Um, they're so far ahead of us in terms of mobile technologies and, and ubiquitous uses of them, but not necessarily educational uses of them. So I, I thought a lot about emerging technologies and a lot about mobile technologies in the last year or so as I've, I've been to Africa and, and really been challenged in my thinking about getting back to really why we're using technology as tools and, um, and how we can move forward and how, how different parts of the world need to, I guess, evolve on their own and how they make use of those technologies. It's very, very interesting to me and very challenging. It's, it's almost an anthropological look examination of it as I think it through. Um, so we will be returning to Cape Town uh, and working with teachers, resuming our friendships and our relationships with some of the teachers in the, uh, the schools there who work in um, you know, demanding situations with large class sizes and not very many resources. Uh, usually their school will have a donated computer lab but with very little access to it. And so it's a challenge to, uh, to have um, uh, to be helping the teachers with their own skills and how they can become proficient with a, with a computer and also how they can start using and integrating their, their coursework um, even with limited access. Um, and then uh, in Kenya as well, even more limited access and uh, different challenges definitely because of the, the uh, resources that are so very limited. 
Uh, you can see a picture there of where Invita approximately is, uh, where Eastern Cape and Cape Town are in those pictures as well. And we're looking forward to Eastern Cape as a, as a first time venue for us. We've been invited there by the Ministry of Education. We will be working with district, um, I guess district administrators, who 35 or so who have been chosen to oversee ICT implementation in their areas in that large province. And that, that province in, in um, in South Africa has the largest population and the poorest population with schools often not even having electricity. So there's some real big challenges there as well. So we'll be helping to train these, these uh, individuals who have been given that uh, role and some of them have had very little exposure to ICT. They can barely use a laptop or they've all been given a laptop and we'll be helping them as they think through um, how they can um, develop in their own skills and then share those skills within their districts. Uh, and I'll talk about um, Noble maybe a little bit now. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me um, kind of re uh, talk a little bit about the program, the project, and and how it what we're looking at as our model. Um, it, for us, it's about capacity building. It's the trainer of trainer model for the teachers. And I kind of mentioned um, one of the greatest uh, issues that we saw that was voiced by the teachers in Kenya and South Africa is the issue of, of teaching very rote learning approach. And it's very teacher-centered. And you know, through no fault of their own, teachers there are teaching the way they were taught. And so with a lack of resources and a lack of, of professional development, um, teachers are, are writing out uh, reams of information and, and the learners are just writing them down, taking the notes, and memorizing for exams. And, and that we saw pretty much in, in many of the areas we went to. And um, when we came to them, we looked at uh, what, what we can do to best, most impact teachers. And one of the things we looked at is developing a four-year cycle. The year one, we come in as a catalyst um, to look at uh, develop supporting our colleagues through methodology and basic and ICT training. But one of the main goals of that first year is to set up a, a regional professional learning communities, um, whereby the, the teachers can then uh, communicate with each other but from this workshop, as well as um, you know, what is working, what is not working, and try and practice some of the strategies because it's the afterwards that, that's important. Um, some of you were asking about some of the equipment and what's, what's available. Uh, South Africa, we found in the regions we were working are, is quite, a, you know, very much online. Uh, the schools there have a bandwidth cap and often the five gigs of bandwidth is used within the first two weeks each month and so the remainder of month they are left without any internet connection. Um, uh, the, so the teachers are on email, they're getting on email. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more later on about uh, the development of the PLCs in South Africa. In Kenya it's a little, access is a little more difficult um, through internet cafes and so on but there are um, wireless modems that uh, the cell technology is, is quite advanced and if they have the, you know, the overcome the cost restrictions, they can buy a, power, a wireless modem, connect to the cell system and, and get online in that fashion too. Uh, many of the teachers that we see or we work with, we try and get them email accounts and get online and practice that with them and we are finding, you know, a few of them even are, are, are 
befriending us on Facebook, and, and it's kind of cool to see some of that. Year two, um, we, we build in a, a facilitator workshop, so anyone to, from previous year, those that want to volunteer to be peer facilitators, will also uh, get a week-long training on, on uh, how to do workshops and develop workshops, and, and also um, facilitate the workshops. And then we'll have a new participant workshop that follows that, and so on throughout. So the, the goal is by year four, you have a, a model that they are designing and facilitating and leading workshops made by themselves and for themselves. And we're there as, as a support system for feedback and adding any um, new uh, resources that they may want. Uh, one of the important things is the, the follow-up. Um, again, developing strong online re relationships um, to, from mentorship and for sharing resources is important through many of our, our um, uh, uh, online spaces. So these are some of the workshop pictures uh, from, from both science, math, English. Uh, these are some from, from the Kenyan workshops. So you can see the goals. Basically, the main goal of the teaching and learning strat strategies for the workshop is to move more into promote an active learning and learning-centered educational practices and move the, the classroom into something that's inter interactive, authentic learning, and more motivated, both for the teacher and the student. And also, the, the use and integration of ICTs will run the gambit from uh, you know, removing the anxiety of touching a computer to those who want to be more advanced and um, learn how to properly integrate. One of the major things we're looking at doing in South Africa is helping them leapfrog many of the, the issues and mistakes that were made uh, through the years of use in our system and uh, uh, start looking at the implementation plans first before you start uh, looking at using the technology. Um, they're, they're, they're now at a place where they want to be competitive on a world stage, yet uh, we see them very susceptible to the this, this salespeople who are looking at the bells and whistles. And so with, you know, Respectful diplomacy. We we try and, and and guide them, but we you know it's very important that we satisfy the needs of of our, the teachers in those areas as well. Um, yeah, uh, smart boards. I know you're throwing around smart boards there as well. Um, so yes, uh, sometimes their their uh, feeling of success is that. Uh, the goal is to get a smart board in every school in a certain district and uh, um, without even having an, uh, an implementation plan in place for, for the school or the district. So this past year we were in, in those, um, we've talked about the districts we were going into this year. Um, and I'll let uh, Sharon now jump jump in here and, it, and talk about the importance of our professional learning communities. Okay. Uh, for each place that we have had workshops, and I think I can count in my head at four venues now, we're working on uh, five venues this coming year, we've talked about the importance of establishing professional learning communities and um, asked them or taking them through, uh, you know, a bit of a, a workshop uh, facilitation to introduce the idea and then to, to let them decide how that could move forward within their own community, within their own um, areas because uh, often uh, the, the teachers that come out to our workshops are not from the same school 
So, but they might be from the same sort of geographical area. Um, and often, like many of us back here in North America, uh, they rarely have an opportunity really to speak with each other and, and, and share ideas and, um, and you know, share collegially with each other. So we try to really uh, promote that idea. And along those lines, we were also able to set up some social networking sites. And we have used Ning for that with great success. Um, and we have established a number of uh, uh, three or four different social networking sites using Ning as a platform and, and then let them take it over. It's, it's their area, it's their environment. Of course, we chip in as participants and um, some have had more success than others. Uh, but it's a, great, um, it's a great bridge to introducing the Internet because it's, it's engaging. Um, the Ning, as many of you know, has email facility as well as a blogging as well as photo albums. You know, it, it's really a, a great multi-platform um, to promote and carry on conversations. So that, that is a very important aspect of what we try to introduce because we, our, our goal is to really make their own professional learning communities that are self-sustaining and, and building in capacity. This, this should be their communities at, that we, uh, um, we can perhaps uh, contribute to, but uh, this is really something that has to be something that is, is uh, built by community in a collaborative sort of way. So um, let's see our next slide here. Oh, the e-granary. Um, yeah, I, I'd love to speak a little bit more about the e-granary. This, this was a discovery that we made last year before we went to Africa. I believe it's Iowa State University, now maybe someone can correct me on that, um, has put together essentially uh, millions of bits of information, filtered information, and they have gone to authors of encyclopedias, authors of books, as well as and downloaded entire Wikipedia into an external hard drive. And this external hard drive essentially acts as an internet in a box. And, um, uh, we took this with us to Mbita, that remote community that I described in, in Kenya. It had 10 uh, older computers, you can see them in the picture there, um, in, in its uh, community center, which we um, connected to each other and created a, a local area network, which they did not have before. And we attached it to a wireless router and basically it attached a um, um, what do they call the little the little wireless antenna on each one of the uh, of the computers there, and essentially they had uh, access to a filtered internet right there. And with that, we were able to teach basic internet skills. Um, and um, even though they could not afford to sustain an internet connection, they all of a sudden had more information than they'd ever had before, um, and probably had the most information of any community in that part of Western Kenya. Um, no, but maybe you want to chip in a little bit more about that and, and discuss uh, how that is a useful um, uh, item to bring to some place like that part of Kenya. Sure. Um, yeah, uh, we, went, we went in not even knowing this would work and thanks to the, the expertise of John Schenker who is on this chat as well, um, we looked at you know, testing it out, trying to see if this box we can actually make it useful by having it network through to this whole resource center. So yes, the 12 computers, um, it had a searchable uh, browser interface and uh, their articles, their, many of the items, it, you know, it's a larger percent African content. Um, content can be updated. So basically, 
you can actually make this your own, you know, for yourself as well if you have the time to download various um, offline resources and web pages and Wikipedia and so on. Uh, create program, have programs that can be shared and so on on, on, a, on a network system. And the USB wireless adapters to, are, are fairly cheap now. And, uh, and attached to a wireless router, and it was amazing. It was, it was very cool to see them um, interact and be a part of this, and they were so excited, and it, and it eliminated that cost of, of being online and, and so on. So um, it was something definitely that you, know, you can secure. It's its own little box you can take and lock away each, you know, each night if you need to. Um, security for that plays an important part. Security is an issue in many, in many of the regions. Um, and, and so again, the need when we talk about community involvement and making sure that you know they see this as as a as an investment and a resource that needs to be protected, and it's and it's in parental and community involvement that that needs to happen as well um, when you look at these kind of uh, resources. But uh, maybe I don't know if John, you want to chip in here and take the mic from us and uh, talk a little bit about your success with this. John, I gave you microphone capability. If you want to turn your mic on, you click on the larger microphone button at the, uh, in the audio box. You may or may not have a mic available to you. Uh -huh. Oh, John, oh, okay. John is John is my hero. He uh, he really helped us out, and and he was our our network expert. Um, and uh, we had to buy the supplies in South Africa before we, we got there to Kenya. And as, as Noble said, we weren't even sure this was going to work, and yet it did. And uh, to make it sustainable, though, as Noble pointed out, this is really something that has to be uh, felt to be owned by the community. So um, uh, moving on, I think we should discuss and mention how important it is to have partners on the ground. Um, our NGO partners, NGO of course standing for non-governmental organization, um, we always partner with an organization that is on the ground um, pretty much 100% of the time and who can help provide us with logistics and with connections to you know, the local authorities, to the Ministry of Education if possible, and uh, who really are you know, a part of the community and can be our cultural interpreters in many cases. Uh, partnerships like this are so, so very important and um, you know, maybe I will uh, I'll let Noble maybe describe our relationships with some of these organizations. Yeah, um, part of any sustainability program you do, you definitely need to, to ha gain the trust of the community. Um, anything that's ever going to work has to have input from the bottom up. And so yes, getting needs assessment from the teachers and working with the teachers, but also the community organizations that are already in, in place in the community, um, oftentimes many years prior to you get in there, and has gained the trust and knows the community. And, and through partnerships, you know, yes, you would think we are working to build capacity for teachers, but we're also helping to build the capacity of some of these um, um, NGOs that we partner with. For example, Edgenova, it was someone, uh, John Tolley, who had the vision to get uh, youth, young uh, or youth from the townships 
who have an affinity for using computers to build their skill level so that they can support teachers in school. And, and being so aligned with what we were trying to do in that area, it was a natural synergy to partner with, with their group. And so we see part of our task is to build the capacity of their facilitators uh, to support teachers in, in the townships that they're working with. Um, many of these other partners um, are doing community and educational work in, in their regions. And so we add a value to some of the, the programs they do um, specifically looking at um, education and building capacity through support um, um, and motivating teachers. And so, you know, it's it definitely important from the ground level, and it's also very important to partner and get the permission of the education, Ministry of Education in these countries. Um, as Sharon talked about as well, we've, we've met with the Kenya Ministry of Education and we have um, uh, working on a, on an MOU, a memorandum of understanding, uh, to to guide future work and projects that we do in these countries, and uh, it's it's something that uh, it, it it speaks volumes to the sustainability of any project. Um, so I think you know we're going to open up for questions shortly, but I you know just to kind of summarize the the impacts of, of what we do. Um, if you know that the average class size that we've encountered is around 50, we've seen you know anywhere from 40 plus, 40 to 60 being the average, but we've seen primary school classrooms in, in over 100 students in these classrooms. And so when you impact and empower a teacher in these, in these areas and uh, create a support system through professional learning community, communities, both from their colleagues locally and from those internationally, you motivate them to try and make their, their, their classrooms more successful. And so if each teacher impacts on average 50 students, so you can just do the simple math and the participants will, you know, that we've worked with this um, last year in South Africa, uh, so all in total we're, we're, we're impacting a, 19,000 students uh, this past year alone, and it doesn't stop with this year. You know, they don't lose that information. Education is you know, one thing that you can't take away from you, and so they will always have those ideas and build on those. So it, each year, each successive year, they they are still impacting the students that they they see. Um, so you can see the impact both in South Africa and Kenya here, and. Uh, Obviously, the direct impacts is to the, to the students that uh, these teachers work with and the children. Oops. Uh, again, the total impacts we, hear, we have here. And we are a 100% totally volunteer-based uh, organization. So for us, it, it, it's, it's important uh, we rely solely on the, on the fundraising and uh, grants. And, um, so it being a knowledge-based service, uh, it's easy to keep our costs down to a minimum. Um, the, the workshops are free to the participants. And uh, so the, our costs obviously are to um, uh, 
for the, you know, accommodations and, and printing materials. We uh, offer transport subsidies for teachers, as well as um, you know, feed the, the participants lunches. Some of them, because they have so far to travel, we will board them. In the, in, so the venues we pick are usually schools. Um, and part of uh, part of our hope is to develop uh, have a consistent venue, so that that school can become a resource center for teachers. So in hope, you know. Uh, looking for one that has a computer lab and then build the capacity of that computer lab to be a, a support for teachers in off school times as well. So um, making those partnerships with the schools and, uh, and, uh, and working with the teachers in those districts. So um, a last slide I'll, I'll leave that with you, you know, the questions of what we can do. Um, I think, you know, many of you are involved in connecting classrooms um, via online spaces, whether it's uh, um, in real time or asynchronous. Um, I think you feel that, uh, um, for me, it's very important to say, you know, we, we're, we're tasked as teachers to, to create global citizens and, and oftentimes that just amounts to uh, assigning a project on a different country and things like that. And I think the technology exists now for us to connect our classrooms to other classrooms. And that's one of the, the things that we are trying to do. And not just from the haves to the haves, but the haves to the have-nots. Um, it's a very powerful tool when, when the, the, the children in some of these schools are able to see their peers in another classroom in another country, um, you know, thousands of kilometers away and for the first time. And the excitement that's generated on both sides for them to start a dialogue and ask questions. And uh, yes, uh, eventually you will get around to, to, you know, tying it into curriculum, but it's just that first initial breach and, and building that relationship that's, uh, that's kind of cool. Um, and uh, it, it becomes infectious and, and, and the students will, you know, look for those kind of opportunities again. So the only thing, you know, the thing that I've always seen that's made a difference in lives both of adults and, and, and our students is, is when you create relationships to break down those barriers and, and, dis, and, and disband those myths. And uh, that's what I feel that where global education should go. It should be more interactive, it should be um, more participatory, and you know, it's not so much about the content as, about, as much as it is about the audience and who you include in that dialogue. Um, Sharon, I, I don't know if you have anything here. I, I think I saw Monica on here. I don't know if it's the same Monica who's, who, who works with you with those. Uh, uh, oh, hi, Monica. Yeah. Great. I don't know if you, you want to add some stuff, take a mic as well, and, and maybe add, share some of the information on your global connections. Uh, well, part of my, my dossier, I guess, with uh, ADB is, is the global uh, classroom partnerships and connections. And so uh, there's a couple of us, and Monica is one of them, who um, are, are working on that because when we're, of course, down there um, on the ground in, in Africa, we're 
always assured by the African teachers, they're very much interested in connecting with us in North America and would love to be uh, connected. So there have been some several connections. Uh, one of our partners is PKSS, which is Project Kenya Sister Schools. And um, Alison Stewart, who was with us earlier, she might have, she might have had to bow out. Uh, oh, she's still with us. Um, Allison um, is part of that. Uh, so she, her school back in her class is connecting with a class in Kenya. And uh, Monica has been connecting with one of our classes in South Africa. So I am going to let Monica describe the kinds of things that she's been doing. So go for it, Monica. Is she there with us? Oops. So I've, I've given her the microphone. And Monica, oh. to turn your mic on, click on the larger microphone button in the audio box. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes you can. There she is. Great. Um, well, we have gotten together with Cape Town. We Skyped with them in July, and um, it was just an incredible experience. They sang a great song for us. We finally got together with the kids about um, maybe three weeks ago, and it was, it was really cool because the, the kids at our school have um, started a Harry Potter club, and they meet every Thursday at lunch. And one of the first things that um, Jackson from Cape Town asked the guys was if they knew um, the author. And so they just, that was a great connection. And so now our kids on the Ning site have um, put on their Harry Potter club on there so that the kids from Cape Town can actually be a part of it. Um, we also have done some things with Uganda um, to Child's Eye organization and um, with Croatia. And so um, our kids are just immersed in it and it is. It's infectious. It's, um, it's very inspirational and motivational for them just as much as the other um, side. I know that the kids from Uganda who we've been talking with the most, they're on our new site almost every day. And just, I guess I should say, Noble and Sharon are doing an incredible work. So anything we can do to support that, we should. Yes, um, Monica, maybe you want to talk a little bit about your online math book that, that the students, you had your students writing. I think that resource is, is kind of a cool idea. The Dabble Board? Yes. Okay. Um, this is our. This is our meme site, and in the middle you'll find a dabble board, and um, it's, it's like a smart board. It's free. Um, my kids use it with each other. They use it with, like, expert tutors in Denmark, and um, anybody that wants to do math just because it's easier to draw math. Um, and there's you, a lot of you know other resources like that, but that's just been a really nice um, way to do the math with other people. Um, we have a, a grid that we've developed a way to do the math as well that's all right there on the site too. Um, one thing that we have found though is a lot of places, like the place we do in Uganda, they have um, a computer. They're actually orphans. There's about 23 of them um, from ages 3 to about 20. And they have a computer in their house, um, but what they're having trouble with is paying for bandwidth. Like they get enough for two weeks of the month. So what we've been doing is like selling beads for them and then raising money in other ways and spending them that money um, so that they can keep the bandwidth. Because like I say, that they talk to us every day.
Yeah, so, so so the idea of having students, you know, share and be mentors and, as well and, and work with each other and help each other on homework, you know, you have your, your lab partner or your study partner within, in another country. I mean, obviously, uh, the issues of the bandwidth, but even through email um, uh, and text chat, chats and so on, um, you know, more and more uh, these opportunities are starting to exist. But definitely looking at uh, low bandwidth um, interactive tools, I think, are important. Um, as well as, uh, and what we're hoping to do as well, is, is find those partnerships that can help support, you know, the cost of uh, getting online for schools and, uh, and uh, supporting schools in, in these regions as well. So if anyone has any questions um, at this point, I don't know if uh, Sharon, you had a anything else to add. Um, we're, we're happy to use the last 15 minutes for questions. So I did try and uh, catch any questions that uh, didn't get answered in the chat. Shall I uh, look at those quickly for you? Yes, please. Okay, so Sal asked a couple of times, and I, though I think you answered it, Sharon, he was asking about middle school or elementary school teachers, and I think you made it clear this is for all grade levels. Absolutely, uh, because you know we're going over and we're talking to teachers at all levels. So our teams, we we, we do choose our teams very carefully, uh, and we try to have a, a good representation across the board of elementary to high school and and you know math background as well as English language arts as well as um, you know science background so that we we really can speak and meet the needs of the teachers that are there. Um, I'm also pleased to say we haven't. Uh, we haven't really said this out loud yet, Noble, but we have chosen our teams. Our teams are, are just this week finally uh, uh, complete and finalized, and I think the emails went out this week to the uh, team members that were chosen to, to accompany us this year, and I'm particularly thrilled that um, the team that I'm going to be with really is an Education Beyond Borders team with um, a, a gentleman from the UK, an Australian teacher, an American, and then the three of us connects on it. So uh, we've got a bit of a spread there. And of course, we'll be working with South African facilitators once we're there, so that, that's kind of exciting. Um, how to join. Uh, I think someone asked, you know, please visit our website and become a member. It's a Ning that we use, N-I-N-G. Um, and then feel free, once you're in the Ning, to throw some questions at us um, about connecting with the classroom or start a new discussion group about something that might be of interest to you. Um, uh, maybe, Steve, you could go back and let us know what other questions I may have missed. Sure. And we're getting a couple coming in now. Um, uh, Aaron asked about Wikipedia being blocked at her school. What can she use? And, and that may not be immediately relevant to this discussion, but I do think, Aaron, you can get uh, a version of Wikipedia that's downloadable to DVD or CD-ROM that can be used. Um, David asked about volunteering, and you've just answered that. Um, Jolly Rogers asked, once you volunteer, are you committing to four years? Um, just as the, the time commitment goes, um, uh, those who want to be a project leader, uh, like each year we look at having a good balance between those who have been on previous projects to uh, new, new time teachers. Uh, for me, it's just important to expand the reach of, of what we do. And like I said, it is life changing. And part of the, you know, the other hat or the other thing I want to do is get as many teachers who haven't had an opportunity to try international, working internationally, and, and 
to experience these opportunities because it does change you and it does make you, uh, I feel, a better teacher uh, when you when you get back into your classroom. And so, um, yes, you know, if you want to be a project leader and you want to commit yourself for four years, that's great. I've had teachers who've just done, you know, with one year and they they work now work behind the scenes and help out with. Um, uh, development and orientation and doing presentations. Um, I've had people, you know, do one year, skip the next, and come uh, the third year. Uh, so there's many permutations and combinations available there. The time commitment, um, again, uh, the projects in Kenya, you're looking at about a three-week to four-week chunk of time during the summer. Um, obviously, uh, the teams are bigger when it's year one um, and get smaller as you go on. Uh, and you know we are restricted again by our resources because it's important to us to sustain what we have to date. And so with these projects going right now, we're kind of limited to be before we can actually you know expand. But just to let you know that on the on the outskirts here, as far as new projects, we're looking at hitting um, South. Uh, Mexico, El Salvador, um, and maybe even Peru. So you know there there are opportunities to expand, but again we need to do so at a pace that is supported by our our resources. So a couple of questions were asked from people who said, "Can I can I actually participate online?" And and another question was asked, "Where do I go to find classrooms to connect with?" So for those who might not be able to do the travel, but would be interested in either participating online or having their classes participate online, what advice do you give? Uh, Sharon? Uh, I was letting you, I was being polite, I was being polite. <laughs> um, as I said before, you know, join our, our, our site there, educationbeyondborders.org, and um, you know, send us an email request through that. Um, or uh, I think we'll probably give our email addresses at the end. You can certainly do that as well, uh, because we do we do uh, tap into those online environments that we set up for social networking uh, purposes, and we can perhaps think about you know setting up a mentoring relationship between a, a teacher in North America and a teacher in in um, uh, one of the countries in Africa that we're there with, or perhaps uh, eventually when we when we get into Central and, and uh, South America, as we hope to do. Um, that would be, you know, just contact us. We're, we're a small enough organization where we're still pretty much on a first name basis with everyone. Just, you know, let us know what your, what your interests are, and I'm sure we can uh, help plug you in. Yeah, exactly. Um, I put up the schooltoschoolname.com, which is, a, you know, a work in progress. And there we're looking at creating groups between classrooms. So again, Sharon um, and Monica and uh, Lois are the coordinators of that program, and, and that's a work in progress. And again, it's not the only. There are uh, other things, um, other online areas that you can go to to find uh, these collaborative prog um, programs. And I think there's even the next presentation after ours is going to talk about some of those global connections as well. And so, you know, there's many opportunities to get involved in that that way. But you know, for us, it, it is you know, let us know you're willing to do that. Whether it's just you know trying to work with you, with your colleague, as a you know from um, teacher to teacher, or you want to connect your classroom. Um, obviously, you know, the subject area level and so on will help us. Um, match you up with someone, and uh, yeah, it's, it'll be great to to um, have you on board in that in that aspect. 
So I spent some time today sharing with Lucy Gray um, and talking about doing it. When I was at the COSIN conference uh, a few weeks back, they had an all-day event on global education. And we'd kind of brainstormed doing an online conference, uh, probably a two or three day conference on uh, global online connectivity and, and programs like yours and allowing them to be showcased and uh, for people to brainstorm with each other. Can I ask the group, um, if we were to hold such an event, would you want it to be spring, summer, or fall? And go ahead and just put that in the chat. Uh, from our guess was that it needed to be summer in order to actually be able to build programs for the fall. And do you think that's accurate? I'm hearing summer, 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 or I'm seeing summer. But, but you have to say which hemisphere, Steve, because right. you know we're we're going down and during our summers and during the winters of the countries we're visiting. So. <laughs> But <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you know, we to, even when we don't want to be, we're North American centric. That's it. <laughs> That's it. But in terms of North American teachers gathering online in English to talk about uh, an online global conference, uh, I think I'm hearing summer. Um, we we actually uh, tentatively had called it Global EdCon, but somebody said they're tired of the con name. So if you have a good name for this, let us know. And, and we thought we would do it uh, live and illuminate, uh, and just have it be a free event and try and gather great voices like yours to tell us of the good things that have been done. Um, I, I think also, sorry, I was just going to interject. You know, you know, with us during the summer, since uh, we'll be in some of these countries like Kenya and South Africa, we can actually support them in, in having their voices heard as well during, during these venues. And the other thing I wanted to add too, you know, with these online connections and connecting classrooms, you know, we have to be patient. We, are, we you know, you do realize we have, we're used to the access and we're used to the technology for most part. And, and for them, it, it takes all they have just to maybe get an email here and there or get to a computer and so on. So, you know, working around their schedule and their technology and their, you know, infrastructure, um, it, it's going to be, you know, trying, you know, to c connect. And I think one of the, the reasons that, uh, you know, these things may fall apart is that we are, we are an impatient society up here and we tend to want things immediate and, and be able to do these things. And, and it's going to take them some time to get there, but I think if you keep it simple and do one thing, so, you know, just a simple meet and greet and dialogue and ask questions, I think that'll, that'll go um, a very long way. Great. I am curious about the uh, hardware and um, equipment side, and I'm wondering if there was any value in, in my connecting my open source contacts into this and trying to find a way to, to, um, to help facilitate. If, what kinds of needs are there uh, from the standpoint of equipment? If I, I, if I heard you right, I thought I heard you say that there is oftentimes donated equipment, but is it just sort of the technical expertise to know how to set it up and get it running and have it be, have it be stable? Yeah, um, one of the things, you know, that we're seeing are these computer labs um, being outfitted, but uh, there was a big lag time in support um, for them. So one of the things is looking at, you know, training them for um, basic troubleshooting. But I think one of the things we're trying to, to have the greatest impact is talking about just a laptop and projector with a wireless modem. Um, a, a portable solution that can help bring access to more classrooms um, other than just because they're already seeing the, 
the schedule a nightmare of, of having one lab and no one has access to it. They they are running ICT and computer programs and course standalone courses, um, but so it, that's limiting the access of the rest of the um, teachers again their classrooms into these. So definitely, uh, laptops are, are more portable. They're easier to secure. So it's, you know a projector in the room um, and a wireless modem. Those those go you know that. That's all they need, you know. If you have one or two of those, one of those per school, it goes a long way. I'm wondering what that would cost if you actually said, okay, we're going to have a little kit and we'll have a sponsor a classroom program, and for what would it be, a thousand dollars to sponsor a classroom? Yeah, that would be a good start. I mean, I think you know the laptops have come down now. We, you know, whether they're just web books and. Uh, um, a projector as well, and the, the modems uh, you can get them for about 50 bucks Canadian now as well. So um, obviously the cost of, of connecting and, and bandwidth is an issue, and, and maybe getting a in-country partner to support that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you know it depends where you are. Definitely in Kenya, that thousand will will be a workable number. It may be more like 1500 in South Africa. Um, but uh, I think that will definitely help with, with, with having these, one of these kind of uh, portable stations. Yeah, I think we have to keep in mind the cost of bandwidth as well. And, and I really liked um, uh, Monica's model of the beads for bandwidth because um, it's outrageously expensive in their economy. It, we really have to keep that in mind. Um, bandwidth is, is so cheap and so ubiquitous. It's like water here, oxygen even, here in um, in North America. But it's outrageously expensive, and it, it's one of those funny things when you purchase internet. It's invisible, right? So it's it's hard it's hard to pay for it and to buy it until you really value what it can do. I think that's a good way of putting it. Okay, well, we're just about the end. I'm going to clap for you because I think you've done a terrific job. Obviously, not just tonight, but uh, in the program as a whole. And Noble, sure appreciate what you're doing there and sharing that you, that you're doing it as well and have connected us together tonight. Um, I would sure love to to be of service, and I, th I think many of us here feel the same way. So, if there are ways for us to connect, we'll come into the network, um, and and I hope that you'll be able to to tell us some things that we can do, and maybe we can brainstorm some ways of getting you uh, increased visibility and funding. So, thanks so much for being here tonight. We do have another session that's starting in a couple of minutes, and while you guys say goodnight, I'll give the link for anybody who wants to come in and hear from uh, Mady. I think that's how you say her name in Argentina. We'll be talking about creating global collaboration projects, classroom to classroom. Uh, good night, everyone, and thank you again for for the opportunity. Um, and I'll see you on on our on the mic. Absolutely, super big thanks, Steve. We really appreciate this opportunity, and um, you know, all the best. And and I hope uh, the person who's following up uh, can really you know, inspire teachers to create those classroom connections. They're so important. So thanks, thanks so much. Okay, thanks to both of you. Great job. And here's the 
the, the URL for the next session, which starts in one minute. Sure appreciate your being here tonight. I do have to ask everybody to get out of the pool so that the recording can process, but just go to File, Exit, or Close Out Your Window, and the recording will be posted later tonight or tomorrow in futureofeducation.com. Thanks, everybody, and have a great night.